Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of On the Other Hand. And uh, man, we've been getting into um, we've been getting to a subject that is personal. It's intense. It's yes, something it is. that um, uh, really is a part of our culture here. It's the t- the subject of foster care and adoption. And uh, if you didn't get in on um, our first episode with this subject, we'd encourage you to go backwards and do that. You'll find, you'll find, uh, along with some great information and a great personal story, that we're wearing the same clothes. That's that's so true. One week later, these are the only clothes that we own. uh, So, (laughs) actually, that's because um, same week we're in the same week. Yeah, Yeah. and we're just recording (laughs) two in a row. And we just hope you have a chance to go back and. And take a look at that. It'll make today's episode make a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um, but really, we are, are wanting to kind of discuss um, um, uh, some of the obstacles, some of the things mm-hmm. that uh, people face as they are seeking to enter into this conversation um, of adoption or fostering children. Uh, and we, what we know, what we know is that uh, this is a great need. Yep. And um, tell us a little bit about some of the need, as well as maybe some of the process of um, what, what do you have to do if you want mm-hmm. to really start moving in this direction? Yeah, and and to say it's a it's a great need um, to to elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, it's a global need. Uh, whenever I'm in Southeast Asia, um, it's a need there, right? I mean, wherever I find myself in the world, but it's also uniquely a need right here in in our own country. For different reasons, right? Um, uh, here, primarily, children who are in need of safe families or forever families um, are children who have become victims of um, abuse or addiction or neglect. Um, often in uh, developing countries, when I'm there, it's because a parent has died and the other parent has no way to provide for them. Um, I I've been in Sri Lanka several yeah. times, and after the tsunami that happened there, um, uh, my friends who work with orphans in Sri Lanka said, in the span of a few minutes, we had tens of thousands of orphans mm. in our country, right? And so how do we meet that need um, as a result of a natural disaster in that case? And so, um, but for us here in the U.S. in particular, and in Alaska specifically, um, this has become a chronic need. Now, you you uh, referenced last week as you kind of shared your story, uh, your personal story of adoption, that there are some things that are uh, really requirements, but some things that the Lord specifically showed you and your wife as you yeah. were entering into this conversation in your home. Just just maybe for our listeners once more, if they didn't get a chance to go backwards, uh, what is it that you felt like the Lord showed you as just really, really important for this conversation? Yeah. So it's um, there's there's a unique element for sure when you get involved um, with the foster care process um, because it has certain requirements built into it, and one of those is reunification. Mm-hmm. In other words, with the biological family, the state's first track and primary track that they're mandated to run on is a reunification track. So either with the biological parent um, or parents or with um, uh, uh, extended family. And so as, an, as a foster family, you're typically the last one on the list of uh, individuals they seek out as potential forever families. And I think going in, um, when we, um, we, had, we had fostered one young boy, um, uh, initially it was an emergency placement just overnight. Um, and then the next one that came into our home was an infant girl. 
And if you listen to last week's podcast, you'll discover our own personal journey. Mm-hmm. But we were in love immediately. Yeah. Like we felt like this was an answer to prayer. There were some extraordinary things, even like um, what her given name was. And just several things we looked at and we were like, the Lord's in this. Yeah. And yet what we didn't know, because we had never done it before, was that um, this process was far from over. And there were no guarantees. And so the two things that you're referencing that I felt like the Lord spoke to my wife and I in the very early days of this journey were these. Um, Jonathan, uh, you are required in terms of love to give all you have for as long as you have them. And if it hurts like mad, if they're taken away, right, they go back to biological family or extended family. If it hurts like mad when they leave then you probably loved them well. But that I wasn't given permission from the Lord to guard my own heart in this realm of unconditional love. And I could give this child the gift of bonding um, during our time with them, and that gift would be a gift they could have for the rest of their lives. Um, Or I could withhold, and by the time they left our home or even were adopted into our home, um, they could have far more challenges built in along the way. Now you're describing some of the challenges that everybody faces, you know, with adoption um, specifically here, right? What do I need to do um, uh, to shape my heart so I'm ready? I think a lot of people have that fear, that concern. It really, you know, I even put it in the term of obstacle of right. hey, I, I might love too much. You know, how will right. I deal with that? And so that's one way to work through that. What are some of the other obstacles? That um, uh, that the people might face as they are maybe even prayerfully coming at this subject of adoption. Should I adopt? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of the what are some of the things that that are common out there? Maybe even you faced yourself as you were entering into this conversation. Yeah. That that people might be encouraged to just to to think through. So I, I sort of put these into two ga- categories: um, fears and fantasies. Yeah. Right. There's this tendency to um, to romanticize what this is going to be like, even when you watch um, uh, movies, because there's some great movies that have come out recently that involve this whole process, even TV series that involve this. And the reality is that while they may portray the challenges, they portray them in a 30 minute hour and a half. You can resolve this segment. quickly. <laughs> right, right. Even though right. you know, right, yeah. it, it portrays it as years in the making, you never walk away from a film feeling like that was 18 years of my life, right? right? Um, and so even in those environments, while they, I think they do a really good job and attempt to portray the challenges, you could still walk away romanticizing the, the process. And so I think um, acknowledging some things on the front end, uh, acknowledging that I must give all I have for as long as I have. That's unconditional love. Mm-hmm. It's gospel-centered love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing that we felt like we had heard from the Lord was, um, uh, Jonathan, before you say yes to being the forever family, to adopting this child, you need to acknowledge, be willing to have your heart broken over and over again throughout the course of their life. And we're already experiencing this, you know, in our family, um, when these questions come up, these new revelations, the day is going to come when they graduate high school and wonder why this person who gave birth to them isn't present, um, when they have their wedding, when they have their first child. And we just have to be willing 
to grieve those things with them if there's no relationship that exists there. And the Lord was really challenging us. Um, this is a lifelong journey, and you cannot protect your own heart by making them feel like they cannot grieve. you got to be willing to have your heart broken with them. Now, did you just have some of those obstacles to face um, you know, internally, or was there pushback Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in your family, um, uh, friendship circles, you know, um, theological circles, there's some pushback that you've had yeah. on the journey that, that you might want to address. So there's some, like at, at this point in my life, I would sort of assume that most people who are listening um, don't think this way or haven't yeah. heard this thought before. And yet I can recognize that I grew up in an environment um, where there were people who were leaders, preachers, teachers who were very clearly teaching that um, as a Christian family, you should not adopt children. Now, why would they say that? So that as weird as it may sound, um, it wasn't strictly like logically speaking or fear-based. They connected it to scripture, Hmm. right? And they connected to scripture in this way. Um, The Bible clearly teaches that it's the Lord who opens and closes the womb. So if the Lord closed your womb, why would you make an end run? Why would you subvert his plans? If he said your quiver is this full, why would you add arrows to your mm. quiver? You're inviting um, destruction into your home. And so there was an entire group, thousands of people that we were engaged with who fundamentally believed not that you shouldn't care for widows and orphans, but you should not add to your family through adoption what God has not added to your family. Really uh, centering on the sovereignty of God idea and maybe taking it to an extreme yeah. that says, hey, stop, you don't. You want to make sure that you're not working against God. Right, and so it was all anecdotal, right? Yeah. They attached it to these passages of Scripture, then they just told you the horror stories. Interesting. Which there are certainly horror stories out there when it comes to adoption and foster care, and it it is not all tied up in a bow and pretty and clean, right? And, right. and even for us at this season of life, we don't know what the rest of our story is. We only know our story up until this point. But I have plenty of friends and family who have walked through extremely challenging situations, potentially devastating situations on this journey of foster care and adoption. But that's possible with your natural-born kids, too, right? There's no guarantees. Yeah. Um, what what I've sort of landed on is that, um, and, and we said this last week, you have the freedom, not only the freedom, you have a mandate from the Lord as a family, as a biological family. You have the mandate from the Lord to say, how should we be involved, right? Because not everybody has to do the same thing. But everybody has to do something because it's unavoidable in the scriptures and in the history of the church that being involved, caring for, right? The scriptures don't say adopt orphans, right? They say care for widows and orphans. And you do have to ask the question, how does our family participate in that mission that's so near and dear to the heart of God and is central to my own relationship with him, right? I'm adopted by God, right? It's by the spirit of adoption. We call him dad. And so... So how, that, that question, how do I participate? One of the issues that I think um, I've personally heard from the faith community is, but I'd love to, and yeah, I know how to care over here for widows and orphans, um, but when it comes to going through a government agency, mm-hmm. it seems to be one of the obstacles. How do you face that sort of a pushback yeah. question? Yeah, it shows up in different forms. And and don't get me wrong, while my wife and I feel like we were extremely blessed and have a unique relationship with the Office of Children's Services in Homer, 
where we were at mm-hmm. the time. Um, that is not always the case. And anyone who works in those government agencies would tell you there are significant problems, serious issues, right? But part of this argument is that is that organization is so corrupt, right? They're in it for all the wrong reasons. They're in it for the federal money. They're in it for the job. They don't really care about children. Like there's this whole host of accusations that are made. Yeah. I'm not saying the agencies are perfect or they've got it right or any of those things. What I am saying is that there are children who are in need who those agencies actually have jurisdiction over. How could I withhold providing help, services, restoration? I I could be the one who, even though the agency may not be cheering for the biological parent to get healthy, I could be the one who could help cheer for that. I could invite them to church. I could begin building a relationship with them. But if I believe that this avenue, OCS, Office of Children's Services, Adoption, Foster Care, is my avenue to get what I want, then I've abandoned the father's heart in the whole process, right? His heart is for the good of that child, for the good of those biological parents, for the good of my family. Um, I need to evaluate my motives for sure. But why would I withhold, right? I don't visit people in prison because that's a federal agency. That would be ridiculous. I'd never say that, right? Yeah, it reminds me of Paul's words to the Corinthians, you know, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Just that Christian principle of we even have permission to be quite flexible when it comes to loving people. There's never a situation where we cannot love. That's so good. Um, One of the more internal struggles that uh, I wanted to bring up in this conversation of obstacles to adoption is uh, the argument, maybe, maybe our listeners have heard this, I know you've You've um, heard this as well, but that idea of uh, um, when is it appropriate to bring that into my home? And by that, I mean, you know, uh, there's difficulty that's associated with bringing personalities, persons, right, Right. into my home. Um, Are there, is there a right age, a wrong age? Is there a better way to go at that? And one of the obstacles many people face is, well, uh, what if I get children that that are um, the same age or older than my children Mm -hmm. have actually violated some principle in my home. Talk around that for us. Yeah. So this, this is where I I like the word of principle, right? Um, Because I would not create any hard and fast lines Mm -hmm. here for a whole bunch of reasons that are observable, anecdotal. But the reality is that um, there are no guarantees that if a child is younger than the children in my home, it will all go well, right? Or if a child's older than children in my home, it's all going to go poorly. But Kitri and I, my wife and I, felt like as we did our research and we looked into the situations that we saw out there, um, in our particular case, uh, as we adopted more girls, as we brought more kids into our home, um, we were going to bring in children that were younger than our first daughter that we had, had brought into our home. But I wouldn't make a hard and fast rule about that, but it's worth exploring the logic, the reasons, upending the birth order in the home, those kinds of things. Um, But those are more in the realm to me of practical considerations. At the end of the day, what what we need is we need to hear from the Lord what he wants to do in our family. Yeah. In fact, tell us more about that, right? That's a a big deal. I know uh, in in your life is at some point you can you can write all the logic, you know, the pros, why should, why shouldn't. At some point, you you believe you have to hear from the Lord. What does that process look like? 
Yeah. Um, so I'll uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. I, I was talking with some friends yeah. recently, um, and an individual had come to them and and just said, "I feel like I have a word from the Lord for you." Right. They had been involved in foster care. They had been involved in adoption. But this individual came and said, "I just feel like the Lord has told me you're supposed to adopt again." Hmm. Which could be encouraging or terrifying in that moment. <laughs> in my experience, it's more often terrifying for someone who has already participated, right? Sure, um, right. And, but what they're left with is, was that from God? Yeah. And and so I, I'll, I'll tell you what I would tell anyone in that scenario. Um, unless that is clearly confirmed by the Lord to you, to your spouse, to your kids who are able to weigh in and be involved in that... Um, no one else's word from the Lord should be your word from the Lord, right? There, there should be this clear sense of confirmation, evaluation. Um, some of it is just timing, right? I mean, in, at this particular season, this individual feels completely overwhelmed with what they already have on their plate. Mm-hmm. But it could be from the Lord, right? Your feeling doesn't tell you whether it is or not. Um, it could be that the Lord wants to provide a new grace in your home by stepping into this thing that seems to be more challenging you right now. But you have to know that. Um, and I think in particular in, in Pentecostal charismatic circles where we believe we're hearing from the Lord, these revelations, fresh word, you know, rhema word, um, in those environments, we can give too much credibility and relinquish too much responsibility in our own decision-making processes. The Lord wants to speak to you about how you're supposed to be involved. And so I would really caution people in that environment from letting others tell you what the Lord wants you to well, do. Well, and really what you're saying is is accept those things, but you're providing this other category we often forget about in those moments, and that's the patience of the Lord. Yep. He doesn't want you to miss His will. Yeah. Uh, and He is going to do whatever is required if you're open, if you're listening. He's going to do whatever is required, whether that is a spoken word or whether that's a Bible verse or yep. whether that's just a moment where something was pictured and illustrated for you. He's going to walk you to that place. And mm-hmm. you. He wants to convince your heart. Right. And that's really where you're drilling down. So, so this whole topic... Um, you. You can end up kind of what I grew up with when missionaries would come to the church, right? They would end their sort of thing and their challenge for you to go to the mission field, right? Because if you don't, no one else will, right? Or who else will? I would say in in this area, once you get involved, once you begin to look at the websites and you see the kids that are about to age out and they got no forever family to be looking back to in the future, like it is gut-wrenching and heartbreaking, and I think God desires for it to be, mm-hmm. right? But if you jump in and say, if I don't rescue this kid, nobody else will, um, that's a dangerous position to take, right? Uh, I, I have to begin by saying, God, I believe you have a plan for this child. You're pursuing them no matter what their life circumstances are currently. How do you want me to participate in that process? Because you and I both know kids who have been in some of the most hellacious situations you can imagine, and they love Jesus, and yeah, they're healthy, yeah. and they're thriving. And somebody probably should have, and somebody probably could have rescued them out of those situations long before they ever happened. But God is redeeming that in their life. But if I begin to take on the Savior complex, I could do damage to my own family, yeah. and I could do damage to those kids. No, that's really good. And I know a lot of people wrestle with that, even just determining 
do am I my own hero? I mean, is that really a struggle for me? Is my ego involved in this, or is this really from the Lord? Yeah. And uh, we just want to affirm once again, you have time to sort that out. The Lord, um, He is ministering yeah. uh, to the widow and the orphan. He's simply inviting us into that process. And if this is something you must do, um, He will clearly communicate that yeah. to and, you. And when we say must do, right, just to clarify again, yeah. we're, we're not saying must be involved or care for. Right. That's a mandate, right? Um, we're saying must adopt, right? Um, and so good. I, I think it's, it's a good distinction to mm-hmm. make. This is something the church is to be involved in, which right. means I am to be involved in it. The question is how? And so I don't get to say, that's not my thing. I have to say, how is this part of what is in God's heart? And, and that's really become part of the culture and one of the questions we ask around here at Church on the Rock. Um, as we kind of back out and land the plane on this particular subject, you know, uh, if, if we're, there's a couple out there and they're just listening um, and they just want to know, because first steps can lead to next steps, right? And it's mm-hmm. so important to start right. Where would you encourage them to um, to start, to begin this process mm-hmm. um, if they're interested in what the Lord might have for them in adoption? So, uh, you know, it for families that are like, this is a confirmation. Mm-hmm. I we've been thinking about this, praying about this. They've probably already gotten on the internet, come across agencies, you know, and, and that sort of thing. For us here in Alaska, um, there are a couple of really cool ways that you can get involved. Um, one of them is through an organization we partner with, Safe Families for Children. Mm-hmm. Safe Families for Children is a nationwide organization, um, but it's designed to be the extension of the church into this arena that is in many ways over recent years in America at least been the state's reach, right? Safe Families for Children says, how does the church get involved? No money exchanges hands, you know, as a stipend for caring for kids or any of those other complicating factors. It's the church in a benevolent way saying, where are the families in need? How could we provide a safe home while that parent gets the help that they need without their kid ever entering into the state system because that creates an entirely new set of problems and processes that are engaged. So how does the church do her part in getting involved? If you go to Safe Families for Children, you look at their website or Beacon Hill, which is sort of the Alaska arm under which Safe Families operates. Um, But you can go to Beacon Hill and check that out. There's also a place called the Heart Gallery, but I would just tell you, buckle up <laughs> if you're going to go there, right? Because they tell the story yeah. of these kids who literally are about to age out of the state system and have no family to go to for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for, right? Nobody has said, yes, I will be that forever family. And, and people are terrified for all kinds of reasons, but we should probably be just as terrified of that when we have natural born children. You don't know how that's going to turn out when they're teenagers either, right? Mm-hmm. But if you want to go there and take a look, you're going to see some kids with extraordinary stories um, who are just looking for a place to call their own, to call home, right? Um, even though they're about to head off to college, mm-hmm. move into adult life. Um, so there's, you know, Heartreach Gallery, Beacon Hill, Safe Families for Children. And then I would just say, in my own personal experience, for all of its warts and its flaws and its um, mistakes, um, get involved uh, with the Office of Children's Services. 
just because there are problems there, challenges there, even corruption there from time to time, um, the children are there. And my interest is in the children, not in the state agency. I'll help the state agency however I can to better their process if they want input. But what I really want is to provide a safe home for those kids um, because they're not guaranteed that in, through those agencies. Yeah. Um, so I think those are some simple ways to Good. engage, get involved. And, and you can get involved financially. You can get involved as a respite family for a foster family, um, an emergency placement, temporary placement, or a home for a kid who needs a forever home. Oh, so, good news, good news, and thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for kind yeah. of walking us through that process. We hope that that has been helpful for you. And again, if you didn't hear the first podcast, we'd encourage you to look backwards to hear Jonathan Kittry's personal story with adoption. Powerful, powerful um, information there. And, uh, and we'll provide the links below to those sites. Absolutely, those are there for you. And we would love to once more just invite you to engage with us to share your stories. Um, uh, to share your concerns or your questions. Uh, and you can do that on our email link, uh, podcast at churchak.org. Um, encourage your feedback there. Also, we would love this to get out to as many people as possible. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please um, like, subscribe, and share yep. to our YouTube. Uh, I'll even point uh, for us. Like, like, subscribe, and share. There it is. Yeah. And uh, man, we're so glad that you've joined us. Glad that you're here with us. And uh, we will see you around the bend next week.